The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. I'm Daniel Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is The Daniel Metz Show. Uh, I am a political junkie. I listen to all kinds of websites. I listen to everything on YouTube. I follow the current news all the time. And the other day I was listening to an interesting interview between Mark Stein and Douglas Murphy. Um, and it, just listening to it while I'm working, so it just caught my attention, this one line about how the West tends to indulge in masochism. And that the problem with that is that when an actual sadist comes along. They're referring more so to the whole immigration issue in uh, Europe and how that's causing a huge problem there. But I took it more to apply to how Western culture seems to be destroying itself from within. Um, as Bill Whittle once spoke about is the asymptote and the fact that once you reach a certain pinnacle in a society, that is when it starts to decline. And I see that through a lot of stuff, protests and uh, just uh, anger and resentment over tinier and tinier and tinier issues that are, it seems to be uh, populating the culture right now. Why do you think the West hates itself so much? Well, I think that's all in, implicit in the word masochism, isn't it? Is it the, the um, derivation of pleasure from having pain inflicted upon yourself. I agree. Um, I think there's also some more... So it's pleasurable. There are people out there who derive pleasure. You see the people, you know the peaceful protesters in Charlottesville? Quote, unquote. <laughs> Actually, that is a quote from a news source. Um, I think the headline was, um, Neo-Nazi plows car into peaceful protesters. Um, of course, blanking out the fact that he only did that immediately after his car was pummeled by a baseball bat-wielding peaceful protester uh, at the uh, back of his car, and then he took off. Mind you, I, that's no excuse for plowing into a crowd of people. However, they were not peaceful. But what I look at when I see the, um, the black bloc at the G20s, or these Soros-funded protesters during the Democratic National Convention or the Republican uh, uh, rallies, is that you have some very young people there who I think are, as you say, and as Murphy is saying, deriving pleasure from their agitation and their violence. I also think it is the, um, the hate or self-hate for being successful as a society. Oh, there's always that too. Rand said that it's a hatred of good for being the good. Um, and that is always out there. There's people, um, there's people who always want something for nothing and are willing to kill and maim and, and uh, agitate and vote in that descending order of aggression <laughs> to get what they want from other people. And that's, um, that's, that's not simply pleasure from pain or inflicting pain. I think it's actually a death wish. Because where does this all end up? If you follow, if you follow their actions of the, um, the Charlottesville counter-protest, or even the Charlottesville protest, because those are both leftists, fascists versus communists. Yes, what's the difference exactly? Or if you, if you follow the people getting, getting punched at a um, Trump rally, or 
um, you, you pick the topic of the day, the Black Lives Matter, violent protests, things like that, the tearing down of statues. Um, not only are there simple um, fleeting moments of pleasure that they derive in their destruction, I think a lot of them, especially their leaders, are cognizant of the end goal, which is complete annihilation of Western culture and Western values. And Western history. And Western history and everything that entails, including, well, Western history is developed on the individual. Yes. They want to destroy the individual. And I mean destroy in the literal sense. They are looking for death. Oh, that, well, that's obvious given what they're proposing. Um, it was interesting. I was thinking also, um, just to take this to a little bit of a lighter side, the, um, <laughs> I used to watch a show called Suits. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with I it. Oh, I love that show. I used to love that show. Oh, what show. happened now? Um, Editorial no, pro problems, right? No, it was. There was a point where okay, they, they, Harvey Specter is the main character. If you're unfamiliar with the show, he's a lawyer. Hi, he's really good at what he does. He's the best of his field. And then they got to a point when everyone just tore him down. And then what they did is they gave him mother issues and sent him into therapy because he, he couldn't be good. And that was what you just said. The, I got the sense, I watched an episode and I was so furious afterwards. It's like, it's like the hatred of the good for being good. He was not a bad lawyer. He didn't do things that were morally wrong, at least not the beginning of the series that I saw. He was just better than everybody else and they had to tear him down a notch. And the writers tore him down. It wasn't that he had competitors in the, the law firm or people who he was up against. It was the writers wrote his character down. That sounds just like what happened to the show House with Hugh Laurie. Oh, yes. He was the yes. number one perfect, perfect person as far as solving... And they sent him to therapy. ...medical problems, yeah, and then they, they destroyed his character. Yeah. They destroyed his character. He, he got too, too good. Yep, he was too good, and it's the, the, the hatred of the good for being good. And I think that goes into that sense of destruction of the Western civilization. Maybe there's something to be said for what you're saying in, in that they're deriving pleasure from oh, destroying you, people. You build them up and it's more fun to take them down. Yeah, but also from what I was saying is that they also secretly, and sometimes overtly, want to see annihilation. Uh, their own annihilation too. It's like the left, and that, that again applies to any collectivist, mm. the left despise being alive. Now that sounds rather harsh. I mean, you've got college students out there struggling to be um, you know, social workers or, or, or psychologists or whatever other artsy-fartsy thing. Hey, I have a degree in psychology. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, struggling to live, and I don't think that they're, they're coping very well. And in that inability to cope with life, I think perhaps subconsciously, and again, for the intelli intel intelligentsia, consciously, um, they are seeking an out, an easy out. For a lot of them, it's suicide. And for many of them, it's a prolonged suicide, and they're going to try to take as many of us with them as they can. The, the sense of self-destruction is definitely very high. Um, dealing with, especially in the youth, because, what, again, going back to Bill Whittle's talking about the asymptote, about the fact that, that what are you, see, there's nothing to achieve anymore because we've achieved so much. They don't see, the, we don't have a common external battle to deal with. We only have our own battle within ourselves, the guilt, the fact that we are better, well, I'm sorry, we're not better than everybody else. We're worse than everybody else because we are better 
than everybody else. And that's how they juxtapose that concept. Um, it's like the superior society therefore has to be held or taken down because it's the hatred of the good for being good. And everybody else is excused because it's not their fault. You know, the soft bigotry of lowered expectations and Oh, and I just, I think it, there's so many directions that coalesce to become this just complete suicidal tendency of the Western culture right now. And I think part of it, of course, is the 2,000-year history of a um, philosophy of altruism, of doing for your neighbor and sacrificing for yourself, you know, being your brother's keeper, that kind of a thing. So we've always, in this society, ironically, I guess, <laughs> um, have denigrated being good. Have you know, a rich man can no longer pass, you know, can get into heaven, then a camel can go through the eye of a needle type exactly. of thing, you know. Um, but I found your, or Bill Whittle's analogy of the asymptote, which of course getting closer and closer to a particular line on a graph, if yes. you remember your um, math, but never ever touching it. No, but I looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I, I happen to remember. Why can't people remember what they were taught in grade 11? I don't know, or grade 10 or whatever it was. But anyway, um, yes, it does seem to be closer and closer approximations to an end goal. But an asymptote, I don't think, is the proper analogy because you never actually reach that goal. I think it's more akin to uh, chaos theory. If you remember chaos theory, or do you have to look this up too? Sorry. No, I will. Strange attractors. Remember strange attractors? No. Well, strange attractors is like. Um, I went it's to public almost, school. It's I mean, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's almost getting to an, an asymptotic type of relationship. You get closer and closer, but then when it reaches a certain point, it shifts. Um, you might think of, for example, one classic example is um, bringing your finger into a, into a running stream of water from a tap. Right. Um, you can touch it. Right? And then at a certain point, all of a sudden, it just starts to break up. The stream breaks up. And I think that's what we see. It's a revolution. We're getting closer and closer to a point when we're going to see absolute destruction. Sadly, I actually agree with you because I don't see how without... I've been watching this for so long now and I'm like, I don't see a way out of this without there being some sort of bloody conflict. Well, we see bloody conflicts already now. Yeah, but I'm talking on a large scale. I don't oh, mean yeah, just yeah. like clashes and riots. I mean, the fact that there is one death at that riot in Charlottesville is surprising. The fact that we don't, we haven't reached that point yet, but we're at the tipping point, I think, where we are going to see it get worse and worse and worse. And that's internal. We're not even talking about external threats mm -hmm. to the to our civilization that we're increasing constantly. Um, that uh, The thing in Barcelona that just happened, yes. the 13 people died. I, I found it very ironic. I was reading the National Post this morning and they were talking about the fact that the person who drove the van was a Mar Moroccan. And they had, it went to page two and, and they were discussing that he had identification and that's what he was. And on the same page, in international news, it said, Oh, and Spain just rescued six Moroccans, refugees that were coming into the country, and they saved them and brought them in. And I'm like, does no one see the relate correlation here? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, okay, one Moroccan just killed a bunch of people, and now you're bringing in more. And uh, I just, 
I don't see how our civilization is going to survive until we put our foot down and describe our principles and stand by them. Like you, you nailed it. We fail to describe our principles. We don't know what our principles are. I mean, there are a few Justin of Trudeau us. says we have none. Yes. We have no society. We have no culture. Yes, and the great thing about Canada is that it's not a nation. It's, he's a citizen of the world. Yes, and we have all these Haitians now pouring over the border just because <laughs> of that. Yeah, but I think that you've, you've come upon something there is that it's very difficult, especially with our public school system, which no longer teaches these kinds of historical things which led up to why Canada exists, why the United States exists. People don't even know Robert E. Lee. There's a letter that he wrote to his wife wherein he talks about how despicable something like racism is. Yes, that's... I, slavery is. Yeah. Not, I don't think he called it racism, but slavery. And he said it's up to God, though, to change things. Right now, he was fighting a war against what he considered an aggressor of the North because the South voted to secede. Their parliament, or their legislature, voted to secede. The North tried to invade. And so he, you know, took up arms against aggressors, not necessarily to promote slavery. No. Although slavery existed, and that is, is what he was furthering. But because... Um, no, he, he, was put, he was standing up for states' rights. Uh, states' rights, yeah. Which, by the way, I don't necessarily agree with, especially when they violate individual rights. Yes. However, you have to look at it in perspective and in the context of the day. In the context of the, the man. Like, these men have to be judged based on where they were from. And they were striving to go forward. He was fighting for states' rights. Yeah. That's a good thing despite the fact that slavery existed, which he did not like. You look at Washington, he was not particularly happy with slavery. Jefferson's first draft of the Declaration of Independence, as I, um, as I just recently read in a, in a biography of him, eliminated slavery. But he had to take it out because the Congress would not have supported the Union if that was in there. So even this slave owner Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, did not like slavery but he was caught up into this culture as well i mean he owned a, what was a 20 odd thousand acre yeah. plantation or a place in washington that was run by effectively slaves and um he found it difficult to emancipate them yeah you know even though he was against it so i mean people can't throw out history no. Superficially, without understanding it. Well, Condoleezza Rice was the one who said, if you take down these statues, you're not, you, you forget your history. You can't forget your history. It takes away the culture, it takes away, and you have to remember these things. And she's a black woman herself, and she doesn't think that they should be doing this. I don't know how we got onto the whole thing about statues. But well, <laughs> I got onto that because I was uh, lamenting the fact that our public school system is not teaching properly the history of how the West uh, derived the values that it does. And so therefore we don't know what our values are, we can't articulate our values, so therefore we are going to lose our values. And they're, no pun intended, but whitewashing our history if we start taking all of these statues down. Especially considering they're doing it without the context of when and who and what the person was. As um, I believe Firefly uh, Mal said everyone who's ever had a statue erected to him was one kind of son of a bitch or another. Yeah. <laughs> True enough, you know, I'd rather see statues of uh, great intellect, uh, or I'd love to see a statue of Ayn Rand, or an Isabel Patterson, or the Beatles, or, you know, people like that, rather than generals and, 
and, and uh, politicians, especially politicians per se, but... Um, well, it depends on what the monument's supposed to be for. Mm -hmm. If it's, uh, you have Thomas Jefferson. Oh, great it's man. It's the yeah. idea yes. behind who that was. It wasn't who he was, mm -hmm. per se. Um, again, with George Washington, it was what he represented, and that's what um, monuments are supposed to be for, is to represent an idea or an ideal. I wonder if the left would actually take down the, uh, the statue of Lincoln, because in Lincoln's first inaugural address, he uh, said explicitly that he will not uh, remove uh, slavery or, or attack slavery. If you just go back and read his first inaugural address, um, he mentions that. So, so even the great Lincoln himself you know, was pussyfooting around the idea of slavery. There was a, an immensely uh, taught web of politics. Yeah, that that's what to... I was just about to say. It's all politics. He, yeah. You have to exist in the political framework. And yeah. when you're dealing with politicians, particularly, he couldn't say that. He was trying to hold the union together. Mm -hmm. And that was his major point at that moment in time. It didn't reflect exactly what he believed in regards to slavery and what that meant to the country. It was just he was trying to hold the Union together. Right. And considering they just, you know, basically had a huge revolution to get away from the Brits. Britons, you need to um, focus on unity rather than, at that point, I guess, principle. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've exhausted that and went oh, all we, over the map with that one. I don't even, well, no, we, we didn't exhaust we it, but we could have got it. I could talk for another hour or, or <laughs> 10 on this particular topic, but I think you've articulated something that's important is that there's a pleasure principle involved in destruction. I think that the left are the ones who are uh, benefiting the most from this masochism. Oh, well, I think, and the problem with that, oh God, okay, we can't talk anymore. <laughs> Too long, okay. Well, that was a good show. Uh, we hope to talk to you again very soon in the near future. This is Daniel Metz. And Robert Block. Have a good day. If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit www.justratemedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing, it's just right.